Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. You're listening to Flames Nation Radio, episode 35, the final weekly edition during the 21-22 season. We're brought to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery, makers of Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. I'm Ryan. He's Shane. Hi, Shane. Hello, everybody. And it was uh, it was a weird, you know, with the last time we recorded, we were teeing up game five and said, hope, hopefully there'd be more games. There weren't. They, they just played game five. But... Game five sure was a lot of hockey crammed into one game. Uh, there was a Flames lead. There was a Flames lead that disappeared. There was a Oilers lead. There was a Flames, uh, the Flames clawing back to tie. Uh, there was a Flames momentarily going ahead in the third period, and then the goal not counting. There was a lot of stuff crammed in that one game. And then, of course, uh, Connor McDavid did Connor McDavid things in overtime. And the Flames lost 5-4 in game five uh, in overtime. And that was the last game the Flames played. It's been... You know, a little. It's been, I think, uh, six days since that uh, that dagger happened because of the way we we scheduled things. So, Shane, it's been. We've had some time to get away from the emotion of everything and just to relax and breathe and go outside and see our loved ones and play with animals and children. With with the benefit of of uh, that kind of perspective, what did you think of Game Five and in particular that goal? That goal that uh, actually to summarize the, the best explanation to summarize that goal came out of the potential goal scorer himself. Uh, Blake Coleman uh, scored a goal uh, that was disallowed due to what the NHL deemed as a distinct kicking motion. And Blake Coleman said with go online and look at the debate and how with that much disparity, how could there be anything distinct about it? And that's pretty much, I was like, you're not wrong there, sir. Uh, I think his, he, made, he made a comment on, uh, on at the last media day with the, the Flames where uh, we, he was joking with us that, you know, he's like, well, it wasn't like I read my foot back and kick it to the uprights with the goalpost or whatever. It was, there wasn't much distinct. He, he dragged us basically for, for those of you who uh, can't remember it because of the, uh, the mental scarring from it uh, or a lot of drinking in the interim. Basically what it was, was, uh, Michael Backlund comes in on the on on the right wing. He drives the net. He puts a shot that squirts under uh, Mike Smith's arm and starts trickling towards the goal line. Uh, Blake Coleman's driving the net, looking for loose puck. He's sort of his arms are sort of tied up with uh, Cody CC as he's driving the net, and he's sort of he's in the process of fall, uh, Coleman's in the process of falling over. So he's trying not to fall over. His and right trying foot to get towards clips. the net. 
his right foot clips Smith's pad too. Like his right foot clipped it and kicked back. So he's on one leg. Yeah, he's sort, of, leg he's sort of spinning on his left foot, almost mm-hmm. pirouetting, sliding his foot in and sort of to both stop and not completely kill himself hitting the post because we, we discovered this uh, also on Tuesday. Uh, Nikita Zadorov broke three ribs crashing into the net against Dallas. So the nets suck to crash into at any speed. So Coleman trying not to fall over, trying not to crash into the goalie, trying not to be injured crashing into the net, trying to battle Cody CC for position. And he basically drags his foot, momentarily makes contact with the puck. That was, was still like a wobbly puck. It wasn't stationary. And, you know, the puck goes to the net. Uh, there was no kick. I would say this. I don't think there's a kicking motion. Was he, he's basically, he basically dragged his foot to hit. Yeah. And as soon as he hit and he hit, he almost got towards the net. He sort of did a pirouette and sort of, you know, jumped past the net after the contact was made. He, I believe he was trying to stop and there's no rule against stopping and having the puck hit your skate while you stop. So there's no, there's no rule against that. That's not a distinct kicking motion. That's goals like that are allowed to happen. The guy's going to the net, he stops and it goes off the outside of his skate. And, and someone said that on the panel, they said, well, and, and, the and, fine inside of the skate's not good, but we saw a goal against the flames. I don't know if it was this year or last year. It was this year. Where the, where the guy kicked his foot. Like he, he, he legit, I, there's no other word to describe it kicked his foot out to make sure that the yeah, puck he, would go he, off he it. He angled his foot. And he angled in it a way and went that, in, and yeah. that one counted. And that guy literally lifted his blade so off maybe, the ice maybe, halfway. Maybe, like, I, I haven't so, seen a good explanation for the league. Uh, over at Sportsnet, Eric Francis talked to us. Eric Francis talked to some folks at uh, the league office, Colin Campbell and a couple other people. Uh, they're like, oh, you know, they they. I, I, I don't I don't I don't like the explanation that they were given that's not you know let's if we want to get around to it uh you know the flames lost in five games they lost four out of five games uh they yeah, had really leads good. in game you know in all the home games they had multi-goal leads that they that they did not hold on to uh and you know Daryl Sutter put it very bluntly you know it was the situation that in games what uh one two four and five the games were basically tied in the third period and the flames really only got the next goal, the goals they needed from the players they needed to, to win game one. And, you know, there's all kinds of reasons. I think we want to get into it. Uh, you know, the, I'll say this, I'll say this. Uh, I, I asked Daryl Sutter, or actually I asked Brad for living on Saturday uh, when we t- had a chance to talk with him, it's sort of like, you know, is it, is it too simplistic just to say that one of the reasons that the team lost is because you didn't have Chris Tanev and then everything kind of went all topsy-turvy. And he said, he basically, he's like, I don't, he, he uh, cop that it wasn't the reason. There wasn't one reason why the Flames didn't no. do it. But like he, he, he addressed the Tanev of it all, where he talked about a bit about how, you know, Tanev is a stabilizer. He plays a lot and he plays well. And, you know, Oliver Shillington, Granted, with a bum shoulder, a much different player in the pl- during par- parts of the playoffs than he was previous. And you can do Zadorov without Tanev. Zadorov and Branson were essentially the second pairing. I love the roles that both those guys play this year. Probably not an ideal situation for them. And as a result of having no Tanev and having Zadorov and Branson as the de facto second pairing, uh, the Flames, you, you know, I, I don't think it's unfair to say that the Flames basically went with a 1A, 1B uh, defensive group. Uh, during this season, uh, they used a, a bit of, uh, you know, they, they were doing a little bit of stuff in either, <laughs> in either way, uh, you know, uh, Hannafin and Anderson 
were you know used in a lot of a lot of different situations and so were shillington and tanev but the 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 flat out third pairing was good branson and, and uh zadorov and, and yeah and they, then when, when you're in their role but when you put them in, when you put when you when you the, elevated when them, you, when you make the one A pairing a defined one pairing because your two your one B can't be a one B anymore, and then you throw your third pairing into a second pairing role, like it's a lot of guys were sort of used differently than they were used in the regular season because you know we we you know we we talked about you what do you say you know puck luck Flames were extremely fortunate in the regular season that no one important got injured at any point I mean they had Jacob Markstrom playing through something after he came back from uh, the COVID stoppage uh, I don't know if it was just cardio I don't know if it was whatever anyway he was he missed a couple he he was he they put they played Dan Vladar in back to back games uh, during the Carolina Florida road trip and you don't do that if if Markstrom's one hundred percent. So Marston was 100%, so they rested him. That, that might have been the only significant injury they had all year. I mean, they, they lost uh, Sean Monaghan just after the trade deadline, but yeah, Sean Monaghan was there. For two weeks there. Yeah, but, like, you, you lose your fourth-line center. It. You lose your fourth-line center after the trade deadline. Okay. You lose your, your, your you know, you, and, uh, you know, you basically have your, you know, Chillington got to rest when the Flames already had a, a playoff spot pretty much sewn up. I'm pretty sure Shillington would have played if that was the playoffs, but he didn't because it wasn't the playoffs and they had the ability to rest him. And it was probably the smartest move they could have made. And you Connor Mackey some experience, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. But, uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's the situation where, you know, they, they, they happen to have a significant injury in the playoffs to the work, arguably the, I could say probably the only other player, like, you know, if, you know, you wouldn't want to lose a top line player. Sure. Like losing Goudreau, you know, Goudreau or, or, uh, Tana or Kudrow or, or Kachuk or Lindholm, Lindholm. would suck. Yeah. Like they're just important players. I would argue that you know against Edmonton, you don't you don't want to not have Tanev and you don't want to not have Backlund because those are the guys that sort of make the mix work in terms of you have a Tanev to eat up the tough deployments for defense, and you have Hannafin and Anderson used in offensive situations. You have a Backlund to eat up the tough moments against uh, particular players, and you have the Lindholm line is able to get a little bit of more uh, offensive zone stuff. So, I mean, the Flames just in, I would say they, I don't think they, they play their game much at all in the series. I think for stretches of game four, yeah. For stretches of game five, yeah. But I mean, I think they lost in five games because the other team is better in at least three of those games. Yeah. Game three was bad. Game three was just bad all around. Um they got back to their game a little bit at the end of the game, but it just really wasn't. Game one obviously wasn't the way the Flames the Flames may have won it, but it wasn't their game. It, they that was the Oilers game, and that's what they did. They default. They got into running around. They got into running around, and the Oilers forwards were able to constantly enter the zone against the Flames' battered up defense because they knew they wouldn't be able to step up into them. Like yep. you got a, one guy with broken ribs, you got one guy with a torn labrum, you got. You get dislocated shoulder as well. You got, you got another guy that's got a bum shoulder and, and they just, they couldn't execute the strategy. And I hate to say it, but when uh, Zadarov and Branson got matched up against guys that were too fast for them, they just didn't have the speed to counter it entering the zone. So the Oilers were able to take advantage of a hurt up, banged up flames defense. I really didn't have too many issues with the forwards, to be honest with you. Uh, like every, everyone was like, they were always pretty much in the right spot. The Oilers, the Oilers scored most of their goals on the rush. There was hardly any sustained pressure goals that went in. And when they did, they were point shots that were screened through the goalie. And so, not just the rush, I'd say odd man rushes 
that were mm-hmm. directly like the other thing. So Brandon Living, he made two really good points. I recommend anyone. I loved what he said. If you get a chance, you know, especially when the season's over, listen to Brad's pressers and listen to Daryl Sutter's pressers because you learn stuff. With Brad, Brad's you know really astute. And, you know, Brad, the point Brad made to my question of, you know, the importance of Tanev and yeah, you got to have depth to, to, to make up for, for losing guys because you're going to lose guys. But he also, his other point was he was asked, uh, uh, I forget who it was. It was either Eric Francis or Wes Gilbertson. I forget, gentlemen, I forget if I, if I, if I got who asked this question wrong, I apologize. It was a very good question. So I want to get credit for it. So they asked about, uh, about what you, you know, how they thought Jacob Markstrom played the playoffs. And Brad for living, you basically said, you know, he'd go to war with, with the Markstrom anytime. And he made, sort of made the same kind of point we made on, on a previous podcast. And, you know, we, when we talked on, on Twitter and in, in text and stuff during the season, he said, essentially, back the tape up like 40 seconds to stuff that happened before the puck got to him. Because a lot of, like, in, this, was, this was the case in the Dallas series where, you know, all the goals that, were, that went in against uh, Markstrom, especially at even strength, were preceded by, oh, somebody makes a mistake here, somebody makes a mistake there, and all of a sudden, boom, he's got a, a really open open net. And a lot of these were, you know, flames get too far up in the offensive zone, turnover, turnover, three, you know, three on two or three on one back the other way. What are you gonna do? Uh, or oops, you know, power play chance, bloop, fuck gets past the guy, break away for Hyman, break away for Newton Hopkins, break away for Dry things like that. And would would you think you know, again, would you have loved Jake Markstrom to be the, you know, you don't want to be the, the, the sarcastic mix and a save guy, but would you love if he mixed in a save in one of those crazy, crazy good chances? Oh, of course. It would have been fantastic. Uh, did he? No. Did he do it throughout most of the season? Yeah. That's why he, you know, he's going to probably finish second or third in Vesna voting. I don't think he's going to win, but. Shusterkin, he, yeah. Yeah. Like Shusterkin's going to, Igor Shusterkin's going to win the Vesna. And coincidentally, his team's playing, you know, it's got a, a, you know, playing the final four right now. So good work, general managers. It looks like he did a good vote because he was good in the playoffs too. But, you know, uh, this, arguably the second or third best goalie in the league this year with Jacob Markstrom because he was just consistent. Like he very rarely fell off a cliff and he happened to have a bad week when all of his defense also had a bad week. And could he, could he mix in any heroic Herculean you know, yeah, that's if our complaint is the fact that Jacob Markstrom wasn't able to make literal hero saves that all of the people critiquing him wouldn't physically be able to even comprehend, then is that really an actual the, criticism of Jacob he, Markstrom? Jacob Markstrom would have had to be Mika Kiprasov or the reincarnation of George Vesna himself yeah. in order to give the Flames a chance to win based on how the Flames are playing defensively in front of them. Yeah. And it wasn't to say that the Flames were you know, consistently like terrible, completely out of position, making, you know, being a complete clown show. They weren't a, they weren't exactly like a junior A team in terms of their defense, but the, you know, they made lapses at key times against a group of forwards you don't want to make lapses against. And I'm sure, I'm sure our, our, our bosses up North uh, would appreciate this, but I, I thought Edmonton played a really good series. I thought Jay Woodcroft managed his bench. Well, he thought he managed his team. Well, I thought he was hilarious in a lot of his pressers. Uh, I'm sure, you know, the Snow family, uh, Kelsey Snow mentioned it was uh, on Twitter that it was really nice of Jay Woodcroft to give a shout out to Chris Snow before he really answered any of his questions. The guy just won a playoff series. The second playoff series he's ever won as a head coach. The first time the Oilers have played and, and or beaten the Flames in 31 years in the postseason. First thing Jay Woodcroft does is, is give a shout out to Chris Snow. That's just classy. Like, you can't really argue with that. So I, I've never had an issue with Bridget. I actually said 
the worst thing the Oilers could have done from a Flames fan perspective was promote Jay Woodcroft because I actually really liked him as a coach. I liked him what he was doing in Bakersfield. I liked where he came from. I like his background as a video coach before he came in He's and how he, how he could see the game and how detail. I think that's what the Oilers needed. The Oilers needed the details of the game and the, the big players like, hey, you do a lot of good things right. Let's let's shore up these three areas. And, and, uh, and I, th- I, think they, I think they have a good mix of voices on that bench because, you know, Dave Manson's an old school hockey guy. His son, mm-hmm. Josh, plays for Colorado. Won't that be awkward this week? Uh, yes. But, you know, they, you know, they have Dave Manson. They have Glenn Gullitson, who, you know, when, when Glenn Gullitson was here, I don't think – I'll say this. I really like Glenn Gullitson. He, you know, really easy guy to talk to. Really, he thinks the game really well. There's certain intangible qualities that head coaches need to have in order to, you know, basically ha- have some semblance of authority. And some guys are really good at it and some guys aren't. And I think it's a skill you can learn. Like, you know, Shane, you and I have worked various jobs in our lives. There's some bosses you have that just – some bosses, they might be, you know, completely competent, but there's certain intangible qualities that make you think that guy's a good boss. I'm going to follow him. And some that make you go, yeah, I don't really like the guy. And, you know, for whatever reason, you know, Glenn Gullitson just, he, he lost the room in Calgary in the second year and everything sort of fell off a cliff, but that happens sometimes, but you can't really argue with the, you know, Glenn Gullitson's ability to be a good bench coach, a good uh, power play coach, a good, you know, he runs a, the forward group pretty well in Edmonton. Dave Manson runs that blue line admirably considering that you know a lot of those guys are beaten up and if we're being completely honest a lot of them might be past their, their best years like Duncan Keith not uh, a lot yeah, well past his best years Chris but... Russell not a lot of tread left the diary but I think you know the oldest guy you gotta give the coaching staff credit for getting what they could get out of them same as the goalie coach you know uh, Dustin Schwartz with the uh, working with Kostman and, and Mike Smith it's Mike Smith is one of the most bizarre people in the NHL and I mean as a compliment he's a goddamn throwback and I love him for it because he's a cowboy it's like you know if if your weirdest friend became an NHL goalie that's Mike Smith and, and he plays he, he works for him. so unorthodox I I have Oilers fans for like I've, I have more Oilers fans friends than I do Flames fans friends that must be fun for you this week growing up oh it was terrible um i just lent into it it's the only way you can survive uh now we know what now we all truly know what it was like to be a flames fan in the 80s minus 86 but uh they are they even them they they say it's a nightmare to watch because you have no idea whether he's going to be this he's going to hit everything or he's going to let everything in like you never know you never know and it's it's it makes it your heart already is racing in situations when you're a fan watching the game, hoping your team can pull it off. Cause there's nothing else you can do, but watch when you throw in the fact that your goaltender likes to flop around or shoot the puck up the middle for a stretch pass that could possibly be picked off. It just adds more stress. So you know what? Be thankful. You're still experiencing that Oilers fans because we're not in Calgary. We're looking forward to like what's next. <laughs> so, yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, you know, I, I thought if we're, if we're going to boil it down to, if, if, you know, if your, your parents, my parents are, are, are spouses, like why the flames lose the Oilers. I would say, I think the Oilers got to their game much more consistently than the flames did. I would say that the Oilers key players are better than the flames key players. I think Edmonton's defensive structure made it, uh, you know, life easier on Mike Smith than the Flames' defensive structure made it on Jacob Markstrom. I don't think the Flames played their defensive structure the way they should have, the way they have in the regular season. I think that's why Markstrom mm-hmm. saw so many good shots. And I think up front, I mean, you know, if you look at the the number of Oilers that had really impressive series, I mean, 
obviously McDavid, Dreisaitl, Hyman, Kane, Nushin Hopkins. I thought Ryan McLeod had a really underrated series. He was um, pretty good. For, for, for a defensive his assignments, Ryan McLeod actually came uh, through pretty close. Kyler Yamamoto in a few, like the, the, the game four game winning goal. Kyler Yamamoto winning battles down low against bigger dudes. I mean, that's just, I mean, it was, he won the battles as much as the Flames lost the battles. I, I mean, mean, that puck doesn't get to the net unless McDavid drives it there, like the sheer willpower man he is, but Yamamoto's still there. Like he's, yeah. he's still there. He's still there for the, well, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, the, the game, the game four one, man. The oh, uh, yeah. one at Edmonton to uh, the flames tie the game off of the, uh, the oh, that was Nuge. 35 shot. That was Nuge that got that one. Nuge made the, made the shot, but down low, the guy no, who got the game winner in game four. Nuge got the game winner. Yeah. Watch the tape. Yamamoto goes in and gets the dump in. And oh, then that's retrieves it, and then swings it back to the point. So yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of a lot of good good plays at key moments by the Oilers players got them to the other side, and the Flames didn't get those nearly as often as they needed to. And granted, I mean, this is systems are what systems are. But I mean, I think if the Flames are fully healthy, I think this is a seven game series. I uh, think I don't know who I wins, think the, the 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 real area was the the, deny, the denying of zone entries. Like, like the Flames were almost methodical, sending the one D-man over, forcing the dump, and then having the other D go back and, and get it. And they weren't able to execute that. And because they weren't, they ended up hemmed in their own zone more than they ever had been all year. Whether it was the Oilers' speed, whether it was the fact that they were banged up, it doesn't matter. The Oilers were able to get in, and the Oilers were able to get shots to the net, to the slot quickly. And they were just throwing them on net and hoping they went in. And and I will say some of like early on in the series, games one, two, some of those goals were goals that probably shouldn't go in. But you know, no, you can't expect every player to play at the top of their game every single every single second, every single game. It, it's just not you have to when a when a player has an off game, other players need to step up. That didn't happen for the Flames. And and other players were hurt, other players were out of the lineup, and it didn't work the way they needed it to work. And that's why they're gone home. So yeah, and then uh, you know the the Flames ended up you know let's let's the last time the Flames made the played postseason hockey in Calgary like in front of fans was uh, 2019. They uh, they got their asses kicked. I, I people inside the organization have used the, that phrasing. They they Colorado ran their show. The Flames won that first game, and then Colorado said you're not getting anything more. This this series, I think the Flames were in it, and this series was preceded by the Flames winning a very entertaining seven game series with Dallas. So in 20, in 2019, the flames put up their 2018, 19 Pacific division championship banner in the dead of night. They did not have a ceremony, no pomp, no circumstance. I was doing a junior game, uh, you know, in September and I was, I was sitting at the sideline and I went, what the hell is that? And it was just, they, that's how, that's how, how they put it up. They just, they didn't mention it. Probably do the same with this one. <laughs> I think they're going to do something for this one. I think this is the kind of one where let's this way. If, if if certain people are back, I think they make a big deal of this. Uh, yeah, yeah. The eighteen nineteen one into the nineteen twenty COVID season was. But the you know the the twenty the twenty twenty one banner, or the twenty one twenty two banner rather, I think they feel they should celebrate, and I would agree with that because I think this was a, a a distinct step forward for the organization. I mean, if if in the grand scheme of things, the Flames lost the series, the Oilers won the series. If you have to uh, play the series a hundred times, how many series? How many times do McDavid and Drysaddle go off, go ham like that? I don't know. Probably not a hundred. 
And I think that's probably the consolation prize for the Flames of, well, you lost the series in five games, but it took a goddamn all-world performance from two of the three best players in the world. What do you think? Two of the best four, four or five players in the world, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl? Two out, of, two, out definitely. Of, two out of six. I, the, the list, six I, I don't usually rank one, two, three. I just put players in tiers because I, I think ranking and who's better than who. I'm like, well, everyone's better at something else than someone. Like, like, like dry sidles passing. The players voted it. And to be honest, this season on one leg or this this playoff series, I, I saw it. The dry sidle and his skill at passing the puck and finding seams and everything. I was like, okay, no, I get it now. I get why the players voted him as the best passer in the player pool. He's, he's I, I got eyes, that. man. So, he's got eyes. He can put it anywhere. Yeah, so I, I saw that and newfound respect from me for Leon Dreisaitl. Now, I'll still bash his defensive play just because it's fun to do and I wish fans get mad at me for it. But, uh, you know, I just, I just do that for fun. He No, he in all seriousness, uh, top tier. That McDavid and Right now, McDavid and Matthews are the top tier. Uh, I would put Dreisaitl in the one just below that. That's how I, I do tiers. I don't do one, two, three. So that's, but that's just how I do it. So, yeah. so you're still, you're, we're still talking. It's a very exclusive company, those tiers. There's not, there's not that many guys up there. Yeah, at, at, Maybe at, seven, some, eight. at some point we'll be, rec- we'll be lured up to Oilers Nation headquarters and have a, have a, a beer at the, the pint or somewhere with the, with the, the ON brass. And then we'll get really into arguing with them over, the the rankings of stuff because that's the kind of stuff we need to do to, to fill out the the website during the summer months just yelling about who's better than who but that's a, that's the fun part and honestly i mean you know it's it's been a fun month and a stressful month i think for a lot of people on either side so hopefully everyone had some fun uh it's just gonna be shane a, a really interesting yeah shoot like was it now it's time to talk about the stuff we all avoided talking about we're recording this on june 1st and so this will go up on June 2nd, which is a, a Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. Uh, but so here's the thing. So uh, as of uh, the draft is going to be June 6th and 7th in scenic Montreal, Quebec, the Flames have three picks, none of which are in the first round. They pick in the second, fifth and seventh rounds. Uh, so it's not going to be exactly, you know, not going to be a banner. Not, they're not, not expecting they're not gonna, to be a banner news. They're not here. getting Matt Coronado based on the picks they have. Yeah. Not getting another Matt Coronado. Uh, and then uh, then things get interesting. Actually, things will probably get interesting beforehand. But uh, so on on the as of 10 p.m. Mountain Time on July 12th, a bunch of guys become restricted free agents, assuming they get qualifying offers two days before. Uh, we assume they will. And so uh, among the restricted free agents include. Uh, Oliver Shillington, who had a hell of a season. Uh, Andrew Majupani, who had a hell of a season and will be a year away from unrestricted free agency. And another player who had a hell of a year and will be a year away from unrestricted free agency is Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. And up front, pending unrestricted free agents include Nikita Zadorov, uh, Trevor Lewis, Erica Branson, and uh, some guy named Johnny Gaudreau. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, Elliot Friedman, our friend over at Sportsnet, reported that you know the Flames aren't aren't, twid- aren't playing tw- tiddlywinks or twiddling their thumbs. Basically, Johnny uh, Gaudreau's uh, plan was to uh, talk to his agent this week. He probably talked to him already because it's it's Wednesday as we're recording this, right after U.S. Long Weekend. So probably you know after the long weekend, he probably picked up his phone or maybe he went in person and he's talking to his agent about what he wants to do. And uh, according to Elliot Friedman. Flames are being quote very aggressive in terms of trying to get deals done, or at least trying to trying to make offers to 
to Jerome Kachuk. Uh, I don't think it's a secret that those two are the Flames' best players this year. Uh, I think those are the two best players aside from maybe Jacob Markstrom. And so those guys are going to get paid. Uh, Goudreau was asked if he'd be cool, comfortable signing long-term. He spoke very, very uh, eloquently about how much he loved the city of Calgary and how grateful he was to be welcomed here by people. Uh, and so he seems very open to coming back. Uh, Matthew Kachuk was asked what, if he'd be comfortable signing long-term. He said, sure. So if we're taking people... I mean, at- you're not going to say no. You're still under... You're still under contract. For I the- mean, okay, let's, uh, let's, 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 uh, so we, we never, like, I'll say this. Brad for living is all poker face. All poker. Oh, always. Uh, Brad. You gotta get Craig in there if you want to get some answers. Yeah, but you know, Brad, so Brad's all poker face and he asked Brad something, you know, if he, the, the most <laughs> poker face person in the organization is definitely Daryl Sutter. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure if if on a Friday, if you if you really got lucky, you can get Daryl Sutter to admit that the weekend the next day, uh, if you're lucky, if he's, in, if, yeah, he's, no. if he's in a good mood. Brad Trilliving's close to that in terms of being tight-lipped about things. And Brad Trilliving went out of his way to say basically Johnny Gaudreau is going to be you know he has the potential to be one of the best players of all time, really important player. They're going to move Heather and Earth basically to sign him. You know, do whatever it takes to sign him, whatever they can to sign him. He said that multiple times in multiple venues, which is, you know, that, that's basically Brad Living lavishing praise upon you. You know, Brad Living giving you the keys to his house, letting you sleep in his bed. You know, him and his wife will sleep on the couch. Johnny, you can have the master bedroom. Like that, that's the amount of, amount of, you know, that's basically Brad, you know, doing backward somersaults in terms of praising a player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he usually he doesn't go out of his way. He'll usually say something like, "Oh, I worked hard," you know, or you know, he's he's he's, he's, a, he's a good or, player, and we'll see. Or he's a good player, and or they'll say, "Oh, yeah, he's learning his way," or he'll say something about some well, sort here, of grocery store trip. Those those are Brad's go tos. Here's another example. So, um, twenty what draft was it? Twenty nineteen was when uh, the Flames. Twenty nineteen. Oh, I think it was twenty nineteen. Twenty seventeen or twenty nineteen. One of the drafts I was at. Uh, it was when uh, Michael Backlund's contract was coming up. I think it was 2019. 19, because he signed yeah, a five-year so, deal and it's got two left. Yeah. So, so we, you know, uh, Pat, and I, were, Pat and I were there. We're like, hey, you know, what's going on with Backlund? Backlund's contract's coming up. You're heading into the last year. What's going on? And so, uh, you know, Brad, Brad basically said, you know, yeah, we're, we're, we're you know, we, we're, we know we have some time left working on it. It's really, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a good player. You know, he, he you know, does a lot of things for this organization. And we'll see what happens. So that's, the Flames, by the way, loved Michael Backlund. They still love Michael Backlund. Oh, but at that yeah. point, at that point, everyone and their dog internally was saying to Brad for living, holy cow, man, Michael Backlund is so good. You'd be an idiot to let him walk. And Brad knew this. And I think Brad was of the same opinion that, yeah, we're definitely going to resign this guy. So knowing that they love the player and we're definitely going to try to resign him, the best we can get out of Brad at that point was, yeah, you know, he's a pretty good player. And, you know, I mean, he does a lot of important things for this group. And, you know, we'll, we'll that's exactly that. Brad. That's Brad to a friggin' T. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, so I did some imagine, things. imagine how yep. much they really want to keep Johnny Gaudreau. If not only do we skip past the pretty good player thing, really good player, mm-hmm. important player, whatever, to we'll do whatever we can to sign him. So I, I, I don't know what happens with that. I assume the flames are going to basically throw, I don't want to say dump truck full of money. Cause I think there's a point where the flames go, okay, if we sign Gaudreau to a certain point, if you give McDavid money to him, you can't afford to nice a team, but no, I, I think I don't I, Max, it's kind of a Panarin comparable. You know, I think so. I think Panarin so. was all UFA years. 
it was into the same kind of age group, a same kind of age gap. I think Johnny might be a year or two older than when Panarin signed that deal with New York. Not has, sure. Uh, Gaudreau's got better underlines and uh, more consistent defensive profile. Way better transitional statistics than anybody in the entire league, almost. Maybe Matt Barzell's up there. I, I got to recheck Corey Snyder's. Uh, yeah. So, so for, for, uh, for, for, for folks, uh, initially, so for, for restricted, for, for, uh, for arbitration cases, uh, what, uh, what teams do is teams are limited to specific stats you're allowed to use in arbitration cases. So, you know, if Shane and I are going to be like, we're going to do an arbitration case for Andrew Mangiapane, we go, we build a stat profile, and the agencies do this. The teams and the agencies both do this. The Flames are doing this right now in terms of prepping for potential ARB cases, and so are the agencies. Uh, what you do is you basically go, okay, here is, you know, here is player, player X who is like Andrew Mangiapane in XYZ way. You build a profile of like three to five players with similar profiles, and, and then you say, Player X is the most similar. He got this contract. Player Y is quite similar. He got this contract and so on and so forth. And you're basically making a case to the arbiter. arbiter here is what they should get because. Uh, mm-hmm. you're, but you're very – One in, or two-year deal. It's prescribed in the CBA what stats you're allowed to, ch- to cherry pick for those things. Like you can't – it has to be like for like, like same age, same, same league experience. So it's, it's, it's basically trying to find an apples-to-apples comparison. So you're limited – in restricted free agent arbitration cases to say, here's an apple, here's why this guy's an apple, here's how comparable they are, given this money. For UFAs, there's none of that. For UFAs, if, if, you know, if, if Shane is, uh, is Johnny Gaudreau's agent, he can go and be like, you know what? Johnny Gaudreau is the best transition player in the Western Conference. You know what? Johnny Gaudreau creates X, Y, he can pull up, you can pull up micro stats, you can pull up transition stats, any stat you have at your disposal, you throw with them. Because the, the, the thing is, if uh, you know you you do that to all these teams, and if the Flames aren't willing to pay the guy that money, you do the same thing to potential free you know free agent landing spots and do the same thing. So if it sounds like he's trying to trying to sell a used car, in a way you are. I mean, the twenty eight year old human being who scored a crap ton of goals, but that's the way it is. And you know I think uh, that's that's the risk you run, right? I don't believe for one second that at any point of this negotiation it'll ever be about the money. I think Calgary is ready to pay them. I don't have any info on that. I just, it doesn't matter because right now Calgary has up until, up until free agency kicks in, Calgary has the power of the eighth year. And because of that, they will be able to outbid any team in term of total dollars, no matter what. So as long so right now, Calgary can offer more money than any team could theoretically offer. We know tampering never happens in the off season, right? Pike. Sorry, I have something in my eye. Yeah, sorry. Uh, so you know, you know, whoa, whoa, the money whoa, whoa, thing. Man, it'll man, never man, be about man, money. It's it really just, comes down to preference and maintenance. Just in case any of you folks listening are getting cynical. So here, here's here's what tamp, here's what you're not allowed to do. Let's say Shane is Johnny Gaudreau, and I'm. I don't know. I, I'm you're whoever, the Tampa Bay Lightning for I'm, some no, reason. Yeah, let's, let's just say I'm the general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. We yeah. got tons of cast space. I'm going to go up to you and say, hello, Shane. How are you? Do you want to play for the Detroit Red Wings? Here's a, here's a contract offer. Uh, so I, you, you play, you know, the, the rules are very specific that, you know, you can't directly offer a player a contract who's under contract with someone else. That's a no-no. Nor can you approach their agent and say, hello, Louis Gross. Would you like a contract for the Detroit Red Wings? You can't do that. But, uh, you know, hockey is a very small world. And, you know, if you notice, a lot of the agents, like the Flames have like half of their team 
almost represented by I think something like nine guys represented by Newport Sports, yeah. like eight, seven or eight uh, represented by CAA. And, you know, so the, the agents all talk to each other and the agents talk to GMs all the time. And GMs, you know, might go like as you're as you're preparing for pending on free agency, you might go, hey, how do your clients like playing in Nashville, for instance? How is Nashville to deal with? What, what's it like? Hey, you know, uh, who do you have coming up who might be looking for a new deal? We're looking for, you know, a scoring winger. You can ask about those things. You can have broad conversations, you know, about, you know, we're looking for, we might be, you know, if the, flame, if the Flames, you know, are, going, are talking to other teams, talking to agents, and they go, hey, you know, what do you, what, what kind of goalies you got in, uh, in your, you know, in your portfolio? Because we might be looking for a backup to Dustin Wolf next year. You know, good, good spot. You get to play in Calgary, decent travel. You get to play, you know, play, uh, you know, 20 games behind, uh, the, you know, really good, really good goalie. Hell, you know, depending on what happens with Markstrom's health or Vladar or whatever, maybe, maybe Wolf's up or, you know, a chunk of the year. Who knows? You know, so that might be a good spot. So you, can, you could talk generally. Hey, you know, do you, do you know anybody who might be a cool thing at backup in Stockton next year? Hey, do you know anyone? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have anyone in your system who might be a good defensive defenseman for Stockton next year? They don't have a lot of defensemen under contract. Might be, might be uh, an opportunity there. So the you, agents you, will tell you. Agents will have the profiles and the lists of the players they represent. Yeah. So I and, think and even, even players even, are good for you. Even even if you they don't go like oh yeah I have the exact guy it gets them thickened and then you know it makes it helps the prime the prime the pump for negotiations as they come up in free agency because you don't know who might become available you don't so you know it it's th- those things you can do so but you know I think if you're if you're Gaudreau's camp you know who's gonna have the amount of cap space to potentially give you the kind of money you want but. I made this point on 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 Sports Nine Sixty with uh, with Pat and Matt on on Tuesday. The teams who have a lot of cap space and the ability to throw stupid money at Johnny Gaudreau also might not be particularly good next year. No. And so, like you said, I don't think it'll be about money, or at least it won't be entirely about money. I don't even know if it'll be mostly about money. You know, it, it's it's. I honestly, if it comes, if he leaves for some reason, if he leaves. It's uh, about preference of, of living. Maybe maybe he wants a better tax situation. I don't know. I haven't talked to Johnny Gaudreau, but it definitely, like I can almost certainly say without, with everything, as much certain as I can without having talked to somebody, that it won't be about money. It, it, there, there's, it, you lay all the cards on the table and Calgary has the cards to pay him more than anybody else. It, it certainly appears that it wouldn't be about money. So it just really comes down to, and you know, Johnny's not alone in this. What does his wife want to do? People forget about that. Like it, it very much matters. What, what if his wife wants to play somewhere else or be somewhere else or live somewhere else? That That's a very good possibility as well. Maybe he wants to be closer to his family, and his cousins. He has a very close relationship with them. Or, We've seen him in the stands. We've seen I've, fans I've, interact I've, with him on Twitter all the time. I've seen, so. uh, I, I, you know, in my dealings, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of players who are from Calgary, who've played in Calgary, Sometimes you kind of like having uh, a couple time zones or a three-hour plane flight away from your brother or your cousin or your niece or nephew. Maybe a little bit, because then they'll stop asking you for tickets. <laughs> yeah, so I mean that, that you know there's there's all kinds of things that will play into it, and I mean you know let's let's we're, we're at Flames Nation we're pro worker, and in that sense we mean you know if if you know we don't begrudge players for negotiating no move or no trade clauses because. Mm-hmm. 
the team the team agreed to them. We don't begrudge players for getting like if you want to say you know I know folks you know are sometimes grumble about uh, Milan Lucic's basically buyout proof contract. Well, he negotiated that. That was part of a contract he negotiated. So while it's, it's inconvenient for a buyout, it's great for him. And he yeah. earned that through his play. And so whatever happens with Johnny Gaudreau in the next month, I mean, let's be honest, like he played, he's been in the organization for 11 years. He played eight full seasons in the NHL and he's been a damn good NHL player. He, what, I think at this point, he's offensively top five all time in terms of all the box car stats in Flames history. And, and he like, can only go up. The four <laughs> guys ahead of him are Hockey Hall of Famer Jerome McGinley, Hockey Hall of Famer Joe Newendike, Hockey Hall of Famer Al McInnes, and Theo Fleury, who's not a Hockey Hall of Famer for reasons. Uh, but yeah, that's it's that's that's four really, 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 really good players. In terms of if you were doing a Mount Rushmore for the Flames, I mean, I don't think he's quite on it because he's fifth, and maybe maybe Mika Kaprizov's ahead of him in terms of he the, would be. the pecking order. But Definitely for Mount so Rushmore, if, yeah. If we're stretching it, if we're going, well, what about this? If we're absolutely stretching it, you're basically looking at Johnny Gaudreau as being the fifth or sixth best flame of all time, and he's 28 and could potentially play another eight years here. Exactly. He, and that, if he signs long-term and even plays half of his contract here, he get he gets to Rushmore. He yeah, does. He, he's that good. He's that good. Barring, knock on all pieces if, of wood in every, every thing in your house, barring injury. If, Not he re- everything. if he re-signs, his jersey's going up. That's basically what the nap is. Yeah, he'd be the last one to wear 13 if he re-signs. He will be and, the last Flames player to wear 13. And even if he does re-sign, they're probably going to not – you're not exactly going to try out 13 for anybody really anytime soon. Not so. right away, no. That's Matt, Matt Coronado likes 13. I'm just saying that. Um, uh, Matt, Matt Coronado will like what Johnny here tells him to like. But that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole thing. So, I mean, you know, it's I know it's, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an interesting month or two – I, you know, I have a feeling. I think let's talk Kachuk for a sec because I just wrote an article. I just wrote an article on him here and I truly believe it's in best interest for him. It is my personal opinion. I'm not going to be slinging it as everything. I think it's in his best interest to sign long-term. I really do. Because the Flames will give him a boatload of money. You just had a hundred point season. We know they talk about all the time. It's not about the goals and assists. You're true. That's true. When you play the game, it's not about goals and assists. When it comes to getting paid a contract, it is about goals and assists. Unfortunately, for whatever whatever you want to say in the coaching realm of things, sure. But when it comes to getting paid, goals and assists do matter. And what are the odds Matthew Kachuk has another hundred point season, another forty goal season? You know what? It does it at a healthy level. You know, an injury, a Sean Monahan like hip injury, and he's on the shelf. And if he accepts a one-year qualifying offer, then he limits himself going forward. If you really want to pay and you want to be financially secure, now is the time to cash in on an eight-year deal. It's going to be north of nine. People, I'm sorry, I don't care what comparisons you have or what you're still bitter about the loss. He's going to get north of nine. Realistically, I think think a realistic range for both those guys on it. I think Evolving Hockey has, I think, Gaudreau at like 11-2. Oh, they have have Kachuk at 11-2 for thereabouts, and they have Kachuk or uh, Gaudreau at like 10-7 or 10-8. And basically, there's there's a four-year age gap between the two players. So Gaudreau is 28. He'll be 36 and the deal's over. Uh, Kachuk is 24. He'll be 32 and the deal's over. So you're catching less of the productive decline of Kachuk than you are with Goudreau. That's why Kachuk would be getting more money. 
without an end evolving wild factors in defensive impact and Kachuk's actually dwarfed everybody on the entire team. So naturally that boosts him. Like, so there's when, when you watch and you realize that it's a committee thing, it's not just Kachuk, it's Lindholm and and Kachuk being able to be in their spots and do what they can do. Same with Johnny. You realize that the offensive driving force is clearly Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk is very much a very important part of it. I'm with you. I think they start with tens, both of them. Uh, I, I think fair market value for them is somewhere between ten and eleven. And you know, if they, I think if it gets closer to ten, it's because the Flames get creative and do fun things with no trades and signing bonuses and whatever bells and whistles they have at their disposal. Because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I if let it way. If you're if you're if you're talking to Goudreau and or Kachuk, you know, they got families to feed. This is like all due respect to both players right now with where they are in their lives, this is their main means of providing for their families from now until whenever, like, you know, Kachuk has, Kachuk does not, did not go to university. Uh, I'm sure he could find, he has, he's a smart guy. He could do other things when he retires. Uh, Goudreau has a communications degree from Boston college. I'm sure he can use that for something when he retires. I mean, no one's calling these guys dumb. What we're saying is their primary earning thing right now is professional hockey. So they, I think they, they owe it to themselves and their families to do what they can to maximize their, their payment in their competitive window. So if they get closer to 11, no one's going to begrudge them. If they get closer to 10, it might not be as much because the Flames make emotional appeals and then being like, Johnny, take a million dollars less and we can afford another, a different winger for this spot. Or Matthew, if you take $500,000 less, we can afford this guy over here. I don't think that'll really matter to them. I, I don't think they're going to say that. I think I, I don't think, think they'll even negotiate like that. I, I I don't think they'll bring stuff like that up. Really, I I I think you're kidding yourself. You know that it comes up because if if the idea is like you're right 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 away, if you're doing the negotiation, you get Lewis Gross or uh, or or Craig Oster in your room, the whiteboard, and you're map it out how the team looks next year. You're like, okay, run it back. Try to be, try to well, be and, next year in the second round. And Here's if we're talking round. about what we think they should do, I really think they should bring all these players back and they should run it as back. As many they as were, possible. They were good, as many as you can. I don't think we get Nikita Zadorov back. I just, if, if I had two, choose, two reasons for that. You go ahead. Two reasons for that. One, Yusuf Alamaki and Connor Mackey are no longer waiver exempt next year. They're not. Whether they make the team or not, that's another thing. That's up to I, I, in September. I have, a feeling, I have a feeling one is a much better chance to make the team. Really. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I think I know which one you're talking about. Two, it's Mackie. It's, let's just say it. It's Mackie. Yeah, we'll say it. it's Mackie. Uh, two, Zadorov is also a guy looking to cash in probably long-term and make some decent money. He's got a family. He as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a UFA. If I were him, I'd be looking for a three to four year deal and, north of three million. And if if you're, you yeah, know, like, I I think if you're the, if you're being selfish and you're making your Bradley living and going, okay, Zadorov doesn't kill penalties, that's a notch for him. He takes mm-hmm. a lot of penalties, that's a notch for him. Uh, Mackie could Branson could be a pretty good third pairing next year. And Branson kills penalties. Come back at a discounted price just to actually have some stability. I, I think a discounted price for him would be anything short of three. We two two we got two this year. If he wants to re-sign for the same amount, I'm absolutely okay with that. I, but again, I, I, if I'm him, I want to raise though. You're you're more worried about the guys, the young guys right now. You're getting the Shillington, the Manjapani, Kachuk, and then of course, Mr. Gaudreau first. Then you then you worry about Good Branson. 
All, all I get as an aside, isn't it lovely the Flames have a really good backup goalie at league minimum for another year? Isn't it wonderful that they have a third string goaltender that's probably better than half the backups in the entire league? We don't know that for sure. He's got to play games there first. But Dustin Wolf is killing it. Yeah, it's Stockton they, plug. Stockton third round playoff plug. And you can catch you can catch those games on AHL.tv. Yes, you can. Watch the AHL.com. You watch Future Flames, baby, because uh, I, I if we're talking about holes next year and saving money. Uh, big opportunity for Adam Rizicka to show up to camp next year and actually be able to maybe stick around and play the whole season in an actual scoring line role. Yep. That, that's that's possible. Because- so anyway, but yeah, the the, the kind of thing like that's if you're if you're trying to sell, if the idea is you're selling them on this is a place where you can win, you got to damn well bet that they're mapping out they got the whiteboard out they got the powerpoint out and they're walking these agents through here's who here's what the team we think will look like in year one here's here's how competitive we think we're going to be here's your two here's your three like if you're asking a guy to commit eight years to your team you want to assure him that you're going to be as competitive as you can for as long as you can and i'll say this i mean you know if they can get those two deals right they've done a pretty good job drafting and developing and i think they can fill some holes without really killing themselves and Honestly, mm-hmm. the fact that they got, you know, you have a Coleman and you have a, a Toffoli. Yeah, you've got middle. good guys next you year. Backland, you got like they, they have a lot of guys who can fill really distinct roles and do them well. And I think, you know, Toffoli with a, a year or with a, a good summer of training and a, in a, a, a summer to get used to Daryl Sutter hockey again could be pretty good. And I, I, I don't know, they, there's, there's, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic, but I think, you know, the, the, the crutch point for people's optimism with the hockey team going forward will be getting those two boys signed for many, many years. And honestly, that, yeah. that probably, you know, if we were in your shoes, we'd be feeling the same way. And I mean, I don't shame yeah. them. I don't feel anything anymore. <laughs> it's just numb. It's just, it, Mike's just complete numbness. It's you like should, I was, a I was, five, three, five head to I toe was, every day. I was sitting in the media room in for the third period of overtime of, of game five with Gene Principe and, uh, and Jim Matheson and a few other media types. And like, you know, the, the no goal, I'm like, hmm, interesting, interesting. How odd. I thought that would have counted. Uh, and then the overtime goal goes in. I'm like, okay, make sure, the, make sure I got the score right. Publish. You don't feel feelings anymore. That's no, you just, that's the way it is. It's a, you know, it's a, I, I still, I still got emotional. I'll tell you, I was, I was at the TV and I'm like, come on, just give me a game. I'll, six. I'll, just I'll, t- give me I'll a tell game you, man. Six. I'll tell you, man. Overtime in decision games, game seven against Dallas was, was, yeah, I, know, like, heart, it was, I'm surprised it's still beating, to be honest with you. It was, no, but from a, from a, a reporter standpoint, it's stressful because, like, you know, I was like, okay, like we were texting before the game i'm like okay i have like i actually sat down and i prepped a bunch of stuff for if they win and a bunch of stuff if they lose but you don't know which one you're going to go with because until they play so, the game yeah and it's a late game at home on a cool. sunday so it's like what what do you do and even even and then they go to overtime with 60 shots on net and it's tied obviously yeah. and then that's <laughs> like, like it's like oh, either they, it's, it's like either they lose and they and you, you deal with the repercussions of not winning a playoff round in a million years, or they win, and you deal with okay, Edmonton now. Yeah, out of Alberta. Time. <laughs> a lot more yeah. So, yeah, I'm. Uh, uh, it was it was a good ride. It was it was a fun ride, and I think the summer is going to be really really interesting around the organization. There's a lot of cool stuff. They have an AHL team who's on an absolute heater. 
uh, and they're playing the, the best AHL regular season team in the league. Stockton was two. And the difference between the two of them wasn't that big. And Stockton has basically everybody available to them now. Mm-hmm. But so did, but Carolina lost, so so does Chicago. So that's going to be a fantastic series. So Doesn't uh, Mike, Chicago have – which team has bits of Seattle's players? That is Charlotte. That's Charlotte. Okay. I knew it was a shut team. I was like, I was like, there's another, there's not Chicago. Chicago shared with Vegas for their first year. That's, okay. that's what it was. Yeah. So if you, if you don't follow yeah. Mike Gould or, or Pape Seward on, uh, on Twitter, do so. They'll be, they'll be all over this uh, as it goes forward next year. Stockton, win, lose, or draw, move to Calgary. That'll be fun. Yeah. AHL uh, teams, future pros in Calgary, able to go watch. It's going to be fantastic. I'm super excited about that. Yeah. So that, that'll be fun. And, you know, we got, uh, what have, we, what have we got coming up? We got uh, the draft, and then free. They might, they might, the Blades might only get three players in the draft, but it's going to be an interesting draft. We got free well, agents. They might trade down and try and get some, like an extra. Maybe Brad's pretty good at getting never know. on draft. And, then, and then, you know, we might see some hockey trades too. And then free agency opens on, on July 13th. Then a little bit after that, we got salary arb. Then a little bit after, the, and actually, uh, I think uh, early, I think after, right after the draft, the Flames are holding a development camp here. The first development camp in person in like three years. That's good fun. for the prospects. Really, really, really good for the prospects, especially since the Flames reestablish what they want as their culture around the team. Really important to get that into these kids right away. This is what we expect as a pro. This yeah. is what we expect. You Now that you know that, please go work towards and, it. And we'll, oh, I'll, I'll say I'll say this. So, Stockton is playing the third round of the playoffs for a chance to play for the Calder Cup. Uh, playing for the right now, uh, actually starting on the weekend, playing for the Edge and Elf Cup in the Western League are the Seattle Thunderbirds playing against Ooh. the powerhouse Edmonton Oil Kings. Edmonton Oil Kings are like a juggernaut. Like they're they're, they're like they're, the they're, they're like the old school London Knights when London Knights steamrolled everybody. They're they're that good. Yeah. So, but the the Flames have a prospect, Lucas Siona, who's playing uh, a middle six winger role for Seattle. He is the things that the Flames like about uh, Martin Possumsil. The things they like about Lucas Siona. He is a shit disturber. He's got some good hands. He scores some goals. He's big. He mucks around. He's got you know he when he's healthy and when he's uh, he's not taking too many penalties. He's he's in it. And he's been apparently from from friends of mine who are watching the the Thunderbirds up close and personal the whole season they in seattle they love siona i keep getting texts after games where siona plays says you guys in calgary are gonna love siona and i say i don't love anything anymore not since not not since the lockout i'm not, not since the lockout you know who's making a real statement uh, this is flames related and it won't be because it's prospect he's a high-end prospect but seattle making it as far as they have Kevin Korchinski's stock is raised. So wherever you see him, folks, on your draft rankings, if he goes four or five picks higher, don't be surprised. So anyway, so lots for, of extra viewership for, 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 for those of you who uh, we're, we're generally, this is generally a Sportsnet family here. Uh, so everyone plugs their ears, Sportsnet friends. Uh, TSN is playing games three through seven on i believe they're supposed to be on over the air tv i think i don't think they've nailed down the the, the channel schedule yeah. yet, so there's like 15 tsns now but so game three is tuesday june 7th that'll be the first game uh between seattle and edmonton that's on uh tsn but starting with game three and going until it ends the tsn is going to be covering the, the, western, uh, the western conference, conference final. i think they're doing the ohl final too i forget so if you want to catch some some good ass hockey, I mean Edmonton probably will win that series, but 
if we're being honest, Seattle just won two series in a row. Everyone wants the underdog, man. Underdog's fun, and and we're a Flames podcast. We're a Flames website, so anything at any time Edmonton loses, it's just a bonus. So no, and also I'll say this: like uh, Portland was supposed to beat Seattle, and so was Kamloops, and Kamloops especially was supposed to. Kamloops was should have, but that's what. This is is why we play the games, baby. Don't count out the Seattle T Birds. So uh, we might as well start wrapping up. We're going to work. We're uh, obviously there's going to be less regular flame stuff to talk about now the season's over, the playoffs are over. So we're probably going to move into a bit of a modified schedule. So our plan right now is basically we'll come back to do episodes and stuff happens. Uh, The two stuff happens previews we're planning on doing is uh, right before the NHL draft, we'll do a draft preview of some sort where Shane and I will wax poetic. Uh, about p- prospects we're like we might get mike gould on to wax poetic with us too because he saw a lot of the okotoks oilers and a lot of the aj this year so he can uh you know be uh he can stump for some of his his favorites uh in the west in the in the aj and in other leagues uh and then uh the week after that is going to be our free agency preview episode because depending on what happens the flames might have a lot of things to do at free agency or nothing to do at free agency well that's the other thing we haven't even mentioned this because we don't want to but i'll say it it could be blasphemy if they don't if they aren't able to sign the guy they want to sign that leaves cap space which means if they get to free agency they can do something else I'm not going to talk about that until it's really, really, really close to happening or write anything on it until it's really, really, really close to happening because I don't want it to happen. And I very much want the other thing to become to fruition. But I'll say that is a possibility. If you're not going to give ten and a half million dollars to the one guy, one guy, that's ten and a half million you could spend elsewhere. So so in other words, it's going to be a very interesting couple of months. So yeah. We'll, uh, we'll be back with those two episodes when slash if slash when, 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 when other news breaks of various circumstances. Uh, we reserve the right to do uh, emergency podcasts here and there. We'll, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure they'll hear much of us in August, Mike, but that's okay. Oh God. In August, <laughs> in August, all they're going to hear from me is me going up and watch the Backstreet Boys in Edmonton. That's all they're going to hear. There you me. go. They do a great live show, man. Hey, I'm excited. I will never diss the Backstreet Boys. Backstreet is always back. This is this is why we're friends. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that, that'll do it for episode 35. Episode 36 will come whenever we feel like it, but probably either when something ha- incredible happens or right yeah, before we'll be the here. draft. One or the other. Uh, so as usual, Flames Nation Radio is brought to you by DoorDash. When you don't feel like going outside because... I don't know, you're cozy. You made a blanket for it. With playoff hockey on. You don't wanna you don't wanna leave your cocoon. DoorDash will help you out. DoorDash doesn't judge you, they understand. And also, Eau Claire Distillery, they make her through Rupert's whiskey. The official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. It can be a celebration whiskey, it can be a sadness whiskey, it can be a contemplation whiskey. However you enjoy your whiskey, you don't care. It's it's tasty. Enjoy tasty things however way you wish to enjoy them, as long as you enjoy them responsibly and repeated but hopefully responsibly repeatedly balance each other out of it so for shane i'm ryan uh thank you all very much for uh for tuning in during the past 35 weeks uh it's been fun show to do it's it's given shane and i uh, a long time to chat and the, the fun thing is you know from from uh 
from a, a, a stuff to write about, talk about, click about, whatever about perspective. It's been a really fun year. We've done uh, May 2022 was the single biggest month we've ever done in the history of the website. We did as much traffic in May as we did in some full years in our early years uh, as a website, sometimes several years in a row. So uh, we couldn't do it out without you guys, the fans. Yeah, the really, readers. You know, the fans. So uh, on behalf, you know, uh, on behalf of the whole team, uh, everyone behind the scenes up north and down here uh, in the trenches in Alberta, uh, making the content for you. We really want to uh, really thank you guys for uh, engaging, clicking, reading, listening, commenting, angrily tweeting. Uh, those. The, the, those folks, uh, uh, when I was walking through the dome uh, during game seven, no, game five, uh, the folks who fist bumped me in, in the thing and shouted, hey, Pike, fist bump me. Uh, it was weird, but I kind of liked it. So Celebrity uh, status, Pike. Hey, no one, no one shouts anything angry at me yet, but they, they shout uh, Simpsons memes and get me to fist bump them. So that's always fun. But yeah, it's, uh, we couldn't do any of the things we do uh, on the site without, uh, without people reading and engaging and otherwise just caring loudly uh, about mm -hmm. the game, about the team, and caring in a uh, you know, really, really eloquent way. So we appreciate it. And uh, we hopefully will uh, continue to keep the good times rolling. Uh, so again, for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time, whenever that happens to be. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.